It's time now for Bible Talk. Join our hosts, Gary Gibbs and John Bradshaw, speakers for the Amazing Facts Ministry, as they now open the Bible and discuss themes that affect your life today. Stay tuned, because the next 15 minutes will deepen your understanding of God's Word. Hi, friends, and welcome again to Bible Talk, where we talk about what the Bible has to say to us today. I'm John Bradshaw, and with me again is Gary Gibbs. Hi, Gary. Hi, John. We are going to talk about something today that I think affects every one of our listeners in one way or another. A person's health affects, well, everyone at every moment of every day, and the Bible has a lot to say about this subject. It really does, and we have learned so far that God wants us to glorify Him in our bodies. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says, Whatever you eat or drink, glorify God with those things. No doubt about it. The Bible calls us in the uh, final gospel message in the Bible in Revelation chapter 14 that we are to fear God and give glory to Him, you see. And, and we are to give glory to God in every way we possibly can. But John, as we've looked at this, you've talked about things that we should and should not eat, like the unclean foods, like the swine, the rabbits, the squirrels, and all that stuff. Right. And you've talked about the clean things God says we can eat, you That's know, right. like the, the beef and the deer and the lamb and all that. The fish with fins and scales are okay. And we've looked at the Bible texts that uh, seem to indicate that you can eat whatever you want, and I think you've explained those real well. It, it doesn't say that. No, but, you're right. So, but... But isn't the point really moderation? You, isn't it a matter of how much I do? Now, you'll hear that. You'll hear that again and again, won't you? Moderation. Shall we try to apply that principle as, as levelly as we can? Shall we try? You know, I don't want to be fanatical about this, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't want to be fanatical. No, and that's why. I mean, you're going to go out there and be fanatical and, and, and not eat any meat? Is that fanaticism? Well... There's a lot of people living today who would tell you that that's not fanaticism at all. Many people would believe that's a particularly good idea. You've probably got some people who had a bout with E. coli or Jakob, Kreutzfeld Jakob or some such thing that would say they, they wish they'd followed that track years ago. But what about Romans 14 where it says that he that is weak in the faith receive not receive, excuse me, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believes that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eats herbs. Isn't the vegetarian weak in faith? Oh, now there's a good question. Look at the context and the background of what's going on here. There's another place Paul writes about the weak person, 1 Corinthians 8. And this is with the background of someone who doesn't want to eat something that has been offered to idols. These were converts to Christianity. They had come out of idolatry. Now, he, he, let me set this up a little bit. You've got two people. They both, let's say they go to a restaurant, mm -hmm. a, a, and one of them used to be an idol worshiper. And, and this, the other, is, this is, excuse me, back in Bible times, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. And the other fellow didn't used to be a, an idol worshiper. Now, me, I've never worshipped an idol. You know, I like bowed down to a rock or a tree or mm -hmm. something. So we go to this place and discover that the food they're serving has all been sacrificed to idols. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, who's never had a problem with bowing down to images and graven images and so forth, I'm not going to be bothered by that at all. And Paul says as much. But there'll be some that have come out of idolatry. They'd be appalled by the thought of eating anything that's been offered to an idol. Hmm. Now, now, this is the one that he is saying is weak. And so he's saying, man, I'm not going to eat any of that stuff. 
I don't want to eat any meat because it may have been offered to some kind of false god. So he backs off. And, and he just or, eats the vegetables. There you've got it, you see. Now, why is he weak in faith? I mean, should he not eat that stuff? Shouldn't he? Because it's, it was sacrificed to idols. Well, no, Paul is saying, listen, we know that an idol is nothing. You sacrifice something to an idol, that's, a, that's, that's less than a false god. It's nothing at all because there's only one true god. So if I eat something that you've gone and offered to a rock or a tree, that's really not going to affect me at all. But this other fellow, because of his background, doesn't have that same knowledge or the strength of that conviction. He's weak in that area. And so that's why he takes the course that he takes and abstains from certain things. It's not wrong for him to abstain from those Mm -hmm. things. Let him abstain from whatever he wants. But the reason he does that is because he's a little weak in his faith, you see, and he doesn't have the strength of the convictions that we have because of our real thorough understanding about what constitutes a true and a false god. Well, John, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because my wife is a vegetarian. She was raised a vegetarian, born on a vegetarian diet, and I'm a vegetarian as well, and has, it, it even before I met her. And I don't think I'm weak in faith either. It doesn't look like it's done you or your wife any harm at all. No, in fact, it's been a tremendous blessing to me. But, you know, sometimes people look at Romans 14 and think you're, tr- you're weak in faith. Well, it's not saying that at all. And I'm not trying to be fanatical either, but, you know, moderation. Is, is moderation a principle? Can I just eat a little bit of pig and a, a little bit of rabbit just here and there? Is that okay? Let me say, abstaining from something that's harmful for you is not fanatical, see? Mm. To, to, to not go near it because it's going to hurt you. Now, to, to one person, that may seem fanatical that you, I'm a vegetarian too. Mm-hmm. But to me, I say that's just honoring God and it's a good health principle. Mm-hmm. Now, moderation. You hear people say so very often, well, just a little bit. Just eat all things in moderation. A little won't harm you. And that may be true about some things. But let's take that in some areas. A little bit of arsenic. Is that going to hurt you? Is that okay? That's all it takes, I understand. It's just a little bit of arsenic. Yeah, there you go. See? I like your pronunciation. You stick around me a little longer. I'll have you, I'll have you fixed up. See? I can talk proper English. That's right. A little bit of poison. Mm-hmm. No, you don't eat poison in moderation. And that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost says we want to preserve this thing in the best possible fashion for Jesus' sake because the Spirit of God dwells in us. And let me talk about a principle. You can damage your mind through what you put into your body. Mm-hmm. The mind is that organ through which God communicates with us. So we want that pure and kept completely well for Jesus. I appreciate that, but let me talk about an area of moderation that some people feel the Bible even alludes to, that if you do it in moderation, it's okay. And you'll find this in 1 Timothy 5, verse 23. It says this, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Now, it sounds like Paul is writing Timothy and he says, you know, you're, you're this purist, you're just drinking water, but it's getting you sick. You need to drink a little wine. And I understand from listening to the news that a little wine, you know, just a little bit of wine every day will help lower your cholesterol and keep you healthy. You know, I've, I've heard of uh, grandmas, 92 years old, they drink, a, they, they drink a little shot of brandy every day and they smoke their cigars and they live long lives. Now, there's a lot in there and I'm going to see if I can deal with that. Grandma lived to be 92, sure, but she was the exception. What you're not telling me is about grandma's 20 neighbors 
all these men who lived to be 42 and kicked the bucket from strokes and heart attacks and so on that were brought on by their shots of brandy and their cigarettes they smoked every day. So don't use grandma to, ex- to, to excuse something that uh, the Bible really is against. You're going to get some people who just got strong constitutions and somehow mm-hmm. cheat the law of averages. There's, there's no doubt about that. So what about a little wine for thy stomach's sake? You go to your doctor and say, doctor, my tummy's upset. The doctor might say to you, man, a little grape juice is going to help you. But I don't know a single doctor that has ever said what you need to help you is a shot of whiskey or a Miller Lite or, or, or some Cabernet Sauvignon. And I've, used, I've seen people use that verse to excuse all sorts of things. I was at a wedding, and hey, this might lead us somewhere else. It was my brother's wedding, and uh, he had this thing, a little wine is not bad for you. Mm-hmm. But they weren't offering me a little wine. They were offering me a, a shot of Jack Daniels. And there's a whole lot of difference between wine and Jack Daniels. And Gary, you mentioned this thing about uh, wine being good for you. You said that right? Oh yeah, there's a lot of medical research out there that says a little wine is going to help you be healthy. Well, so what's Paul talking about? Well, he's talking about grape juice. How do you know that? We know from science that grape juice contains those same principles, those same elements in, uh, in wine that do you some good, but it does not have the harmful things in it that wine has that are going to do you in. So if you want the benefit, just drink the grape juice, you see. But what about Jesus at the wedding feast at Cana, Galilee? He turns the water into wine, it says, after the people were well drunk. It sounds like they were having a really good time with that wedding feast. It, I can just see them. It doesn't mean that they were out of their minds. It means that they'd, they'd drunk well. They'd had, a, they'd had plenty to drink. See, Jesus takes this water, turns it into grape juice. Someone drinks it and says, this is the best stuff we've ever had. And then someone reads that and says, well, because it's good, it had to be alcohol. Oh, Jesus could make the best wine alcohol-free. You know, alcohol is a sign of uh, leaven and corruption. And Jesus wasn't going to take anything into him and give anything to anyone else. But how do you prove that, John? It's Bible talk. How do you prove that... What Paul said was an alcoholic wine, and that what Jesus made was not alcoholic wine. There's a collection of verses. You take the Bible in its entirety, you will find the overwhelming weight of evidence speaks about alcohol in a negative light. So when you take the totality, alcohol does not come out good. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Okay, Book of Proverbs says that. Let me read to you. Isaiah 65 and verse 8. And this will tell us which is the good wine. Because if you look in the original languages, it doesn't differentiate fermented and unfermented. Are you with me? Yeah, so the same word is used for the fermented wine as well as the unfermented wine, the grape juice. Yeah, that doesn't help you differentiate. But Isaiah 65, 8 says, Thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, Destroy it not, for a blessing is in it so will I do for my servant's sake, and so on. Mm -hmm. The blessing is in the new wine. The new wine is found in the cluster. That's a cluster of what? Grapes. You find the grapes grapes. on the what? On the vine. And they're not fermented there, are they? No, they're not. No. Now, now what about the communion service in the little bit of time we have left? What what about it? Is that fermented wine or is that unfermented wine? Well, just like the bread is meant to be unleavened, that wine is meant to be unfermented. Why is that? No corruption is to be used to symbolize the perfect 
sinless, stainless body of Jesus Christ. Fermented wine is, is really, it's corrupted, you yeah, understand? Yeah, it's rotten grapes. It's really what it is. No doubt about it. And, you know, let's not leave it there with alcohol. And, and don't feel picked on because uh, if you're wanting to kick that habit, there's power in Jesus to do it. Mm-hmm. You talked before about grandma and her nicotine daily. Mm-hmm. That's something else a Christian wants to get rid of too. And mind-altering drugs. Why? Because they affect the mind and therefore impact the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. You know, I I hate to say this, but I used to do a little bit of all of that before I became a Christian. But I when when I accepted Christ, I no longer wanted those things in my life. I never I did not need the temporary high and then the deeper low that it gave you. I found joy in Jesus that kept me up all the time. We haven't had time to exhaust this, but the Bible certainly says that we want to present present our bodies as pure temples. Science tells us that people ought to leave this well alone. And if you want more on this, we've got a Bible study that we're going to offer you in just a moment. Make sure you get this. You're going to enjoy it. It'll educate you. It'll bless you. And do something else too. Join Gary and me again next time for more here on Bible Talk. If you'd like more information on what we've been studying today, we have a comprehensive Bible study guide we'd love to share with you that's absolutely free. This study includes many of the texts we've just discussed and expands on the subject, including information you'll want to know. To receive this free informative Bible study guide, simply call, write, or email and ask for BT113. You wouldn't do this. The toll-free number is 866-BIBLE-SAYS. That's 866-242-5372. You can write to us at Bible Talk, P.O. Box 1058, Roseville, California, 95678. Or email us at BibleTalk at lifetalk.net. Bible Talk has been produced in association with Amazing Facts in the studios of Life Talk Radio.